many friends from many places. It's Roxy here. Hope you're having a lovely day. Some of you may have heard my last episode about, oh, you know, just the whole journey of me buying a home for the first time. Yay. I did it. I did a thing. It's done. So go back and listen to that if you missed it. I get a little technical with some real estate jargon, but I also give you some hard and fast truths and my honest experience during the home buying process. And it's done now. I can't believe it's behind me, but like anyone with a home will tell you, the work never stops, right? The home improvement, there's always something to be worked on, some project, something to fix. So we are completely in the midst of that right now, and I see no end in sight. (laughs) We even bought a house that was not a fixer-upper. It was essentially move-in ready, and we didn't really have to do much to move in. But now that we are in, we are doing repairs, had a dishwasher that didn't work, and the garage door didn't work, and don't even talk about vanity type of aesthetic things, okay? We haven't even gotten that far yet. We're doing things that need to be done, so it's livable, and next we're going to work on things that improve the curb appeal, and the backyard is full of weeds, so we're not even there yet, but we'll keep everyone updated. And if you remember from the last episode, I said that I would be making a post on my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash MFMP for a episode request post where I invited everyone to share their comments about the episode and about home buying in general, if they've been through it, or if they are also a millennial first-time homeowner or a home buyer that has rented for a long time like I have and what they thought about what I said. And also if they had additional questions and topic suggestions that I can touch on later on because it's such a huge topic. I talked about things that I felt like were the most relevant at the time. But if you guys feel like there's something I missed or something you're curious about that you want me to talk about more, you can still go to that that post and leave a comment, even if you are not a, Patre- a Patreon member, even if you're not a patron currently, you can still access that post. It's available for the public. But I will say if you do choose to become a paid patron, which means you'll have a monthly donation to my platform and my projects and my creative work, then you will actually get three days early access to any of the posts, especially to these type of prompts like polls and episode requests that I will be letting you guys send me requests, take polls and see what you guys want to hear. I highly recommend that if that's something you're looking for to just be more engaged and have a community to be a part of. So go check out my Patreon right now after you listen to this or while you're listening to it. And let me know if you have any questions about it too. All right. So this episode, I'm going to talk about all of the things, well, some of the things that you may not have been expecting if you are a first-time home buyer or any type of home buyer, I guess. And things that I thought to take note to let you guys know about. So you 
can be a little bit more prepared than I was. So I'm going to highlight on three things and give you a bonus at the end. All right. Okay. Sound good. So stay till the end. All right. All right. Let's get to it. Number one, something that people don't tell you about buying a home. The previous homeowner may be completely out of it and not communicative. And honestly, working with the the seller agent that they used was a little difficult also. Obviously, I had no part in it. It was just my real estate agent that would try to contact the seller's agent. And sometimes it would just take a long time to hear back. And it's kind of like, do you not want to sell a house? Like, what's happening here? Like, can someone explain to me why you're not eager to respond to a buyer agent and respond to clients' questions? It just didn't make sense to me. Like, are you not in a hurry to sell this house? Anyway, so the first thing to expect is that you may be without a mailbox key. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You may not have access to your mail. That's something I learned that I would have never expected from the process of buying a home. I had a previous house owner that, according to his sellings agent, was out of the country like he just up and left because i guess he was in such a hurry to sell this home they were not able to have any contact with him apparently any documentation or signatures was done by someone else from his family i guess it was a power of attorney when it came close to closing time i asked for them to give me which is what the inspector advised me to do i asked them to give me a copy of all of the warranty information for all the appliances And they had a new roof as of this year, supposedly, but I didn't see any documentation. There's no paperwork. It was just listed that they replaced the roof this year. But what company did it? Who did it? Who do we go to if we need service on this roof? There was no paperwork whatsoever. We have no idea who did the roof. How are we supposed to have any warranty information or who to contact? They. It looks like they purchased a new microwave oven range and dishwasher also once again no warranty the only thing they left was a user's manual for the oven range but that's only helpful to a certain degree where's the warranty paperwork on that so we don't have any of that and we did have to replace our dishwasher because even though it looked new and it smelled like it was brand new it didn't work we tried to get service on it three times Three or four times after all the tinkering around, it still does not work. So we actually had to get rid of it and buy a new dishwasher. So that might have been avoided if the owner would have just left us with the warranty information. But that's something I did not expect, that the previous house owner would be MIA. Okay, we had nothing to go off of, no one to answer our questions about the house itself. I mean, it just makes no sense to me. If I was selling the house, wouldn't I want to leave the next person with adequate information, at least, to, of how to operate the appliances and who to call if something breaks and leave any warranty information on the appliances, the water heater, the furnace, the AC unit, or the new roof. But I guess people don't think like that. I guess not everyone thinks alike. And there are people that will just up and leave without leaving any instruction. And that's not how I've been about anything. Why reinvent the wheel, right? Okay, well, apparently this person did not think that through. We were left with one key, one key to the house. When we know 
for sure there was at least two maybe three people living in this house and they left us with one key where are the other keys i'm sure they had other copies made needless to say we did change the locks on our house so the original key that they gave us no longer works they gave us one garage door control remote but guess what the garage door does not work so we couldn't do anything with that remote anyway and we had to get, get a person to come and fix the garage door and buy a whole new set and it came with new remotes so now it works now our garage finally works but no thanks to the key remote for the garage they left us because the garage door chain thing was loose and wasn't working all right and no mail key and the seller's agent when my agent asked for the mail key just straight up said there's no mail key the owner is out of the country i don't know what else to do <laughs> and i've had friends that have bought houses and they are usually left with a mail key something i didn't know also is that when you buy a new house the usps united states post office will relock the mailbox for you and i'm not sure if it's a mandatory thing or you have to inform them and let them know but like one of my friends they had a mail key that was left to them and they were able to use that for a few weeks until one day it, it didn't work anymore and that means that someone from the usps had come by and relocked the mailbox so they had to go to the usps and obtain a new key that's how it worked and i didn't know that 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 was a thing that but i guess it makes sense that when you switch ownership of a house then the mail keys should also change just in case if that someone had the key before and they can still access your mail so that was something i didn't prepare for i was just like okay i guess we don't have a mail key for a while but it can't be too bad, right? I could send things to my mom's house for now and whatever. So I go to the USPS because I know that that's where I'm supposed to go. Well, I had to Google actually how to obtain new mail key. And apparently you have to go to the USPS, not UPS, okay? USPS is the American government. So you have to go through them for your mailboxes, UPS and what's another, FedEx, like all of those, they're kind of other delivery companies and they usually just ship things to your house, like your front door. But USPS is where you go to obtain a new key for your actual official neighborhood mailbox. So I go to USPS, right? And I ask the person at the desk, which it's actually not the, the place, the counter where you go to send mail. I waited in that line just for them to tell me, go to this other door on the side of the building. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that. So then I got out of the line and I went to um, the side door where they have this, it's like a Dutch door kind of thing, like a little window. The man there gave me a form to fill out for a key request. So I filled it out with my new address. They asked to see my closing disclosure form and to just prove that you have indeed closed on the house. They will not issue it to you until you've fully closed and signed for the house, right? I fill out a form, he takes it and doesn't say anything. And I ask, about how long do you think it'll take for me to get a new key? And he says, oh, I'm sorry, we're a bit backed up right now. There's been a lot of people waiting for new keys. It could take three to six months. And I said, you're kidding. 
And he said, no, I'm serious. Three to six months. I'm like, how am I supposed to know? Are you guys going to call me when it's ready? And he's like, no, just keep coming back. <laughs> so I've been going like every week or every two weeks to go pick up my mail in the meantime. There's the alternative. You will have access to mail, but it will be held at your nearest USPS office. And when you go, you have to present some ID and they will give you your mail that's been held up there. And I've gone a few times and every time I go, I ask if the key is ready and the guy will tell me, when did you apply for it? And I was like, uh, like three weeks ago. And he's like, oh, no, that's way too little time. People are waiting up to six months. So I'm like, oh my God, they're really not kidding. I got to just keep coming back, I guess, every few weeks until three to six months passes. So I'm not sure if it's because just of the housing market, people are buying houses so often. I don't know. I don't know. It shouldn't be like that. I feel like it shouldn't take more than four to five weeks in the past. I feel like it might just be a new kind of thing or short on staff, which is an issue everywhere, I guess, nowadays. Oh my gosh, I just thought of something funny to tell you guys. So I was picking up my mail one day. Oh, by the way, they'll they'll save a lot of the mail from the previous owner too. The fact that they didn't have a mail key, I wonder if they just didn't check their mail and just let it collect at the post office or what. But again, I still don't have a key yet, so I'm afraid to see what happens when I open it up. Is it going to be full of the previous owner's mail? I guess we'll find out. But they will have a box for you for all of your mail and a bunch of mail from the previous person. So you just give that back to them. Like, I don't need this, okay? And a lot of it is like, seems like important stuff. And these people just don't care or what? Like they didn't leave a forwarding address. <sighs> I don't know. Anyway, like I'm telling you, I don't understand how these people are thinking, the people that used to live here and they don't care about getting their mail apparently. But yes, anyway, I was picking up packages one day that are ordered from Amazon at the post office because they sometimes Amazon uses USPS and sometimes they use UPS that they just deliver straight to your house. So I was hoping because I had ordered some large items that they would just be straight delivered to my house. But then I checked my tracking and nope, it was held at facility. <laughs> so I had to go and hope that everything fit in my car by the time I come back. It wasn't like huge furniture or anything. That's a good thing. But I did go and pick up some packages. And one of those was a heavy rectangle package. And I was lifting it into my the trunk of my car and it was a little heavy. I was kind of struggling with it. And this cute little old lady parked next to me and she got out of her car and she was like, do you need help? And I was like, no, you're so frail. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, that's so sweet of you to ask. But no, I got it. And like, as she was asking me, I had like just mustered enough strength to get it in my car anyway. So I was good. And then I told her, yeah, it's a composter. That's why it's kind of heavy. And she was about to walk into the post office, but then she stopped and she was, she turned around and she's like, they sell those. And I told her, yeah, they do. I bought it on Amazon. And then she goes immediately, her demeanor changed. And she's like, oh no, I hate Jeff Bezos. I will never contribute to him. <laughs> Oh my God, I died laughing 
And then she just walked away. I was like, oh my God, you're so right, ma'am. I probably shouldn't either, but it's just so convenient. I'm so sorry. They have everything on Amazon. But yes, that's where I got my tumbling composter. And that's one of the first things I got because I know that it takes a few months to get compost going. So as soon as we moved in, uh, we had a couple weeks to kind of get things situated. And then actually it took me maybe three weeks. And then I finally purchased a composter online, which was delivered to my USPS holding facility. And I had to go pick up by myself. But yeah, so that's something to take note of and be prepared for in case they do not leave you a mailbox. Oh, and the other day I got a Bed Bath & Beyond package from a different name. But what's funny is that I just placed an order on Bed Bath & Beyond. And so I got some things and then more things came, but to a different name. So this owner is still ordering stuff, I guess. It's someone from that used to live here, I guess. One of the, the people that used to live here is still ordering stuff to this address. And then more of her boxes came to the USPS when I went to go pick up more things last week. And I was like, none of this is mine. Why are they still? It's been like two months. Why are they still sending things to the USPS? I don't understand. I mean, sorry, to this address that's either being held up at the facility or coming straight to my door. So I just kind of take it back and I just leave it to them and they can figure it out. I guess it'll probably get returned to Bed Bath & Beyond, but I don't understand. You see what I mean? I don't understand why people don't change their addresses and they're so irresponsible with their mail. (sighs) Okay. I will update you guys, I guess, in three to six months when I finally get my mail key. But for now, I'm picking up my mail from the facility or only ordering things that I know will be delivered to the house, like through USPS or FedEx. Mostly the large furniture items I've ordered, they've come straight here. So that's a relief or else, I mean, I don't have a truck. How am I going to carry it over to my house from the post office anyway? That's been happening with the mail. (laughs) So that's something you can expect. Hopefully they'll leave you a mail key and you'll avoid all of this that I'm talking about. Like me, you take your supplementation game seriously. Sapling makes plant-based vegan vitamins and supplements that I think you'll love. They even plant a tree for every bottle purchased. Almost 120,000 trees have been planted so far across eight countries. Plus, Sapling is plastic negative certified and remove twice the amount of plastic from the environment as their product contributes. Use the link in this episode's show notes or the code MFMP for 10% off your order at takesapling.com. That's T-A-K-E-S-A-P-L-I-N-G.com. Which leads me to the second thing. And it also has to do with the mail. Okay, so remember how I told you that we don't have access to the mailbox and I had to go for the first time to the USPS to pick up our mail. They gave me this huge box, more more than half of it. I would say maybe 70% of it was not mine. It was tied in a uh, rubber band and named after the people that used to live here. So I just gave that right back to the postman. And I only took out the letters that belong to us, to my husband and my name. And it was also a pretty chunky stack, okay? It was a pretty big handful of letters. So I took them home. I opened them one by one while my repairman was trying to fix the dishwasher where I alluded to earlier, but he was not successful. 
And this man can fix almost anything, okay? So we tried. We tried on the dishwasher. We ended up just having to buy a new one. I was opening the, these letters one by one, and I was like, how could we have possibly gotten so much mail? And we had just moved in for a couple of weeks, okay? I am not exaggerating, but I would say 95% of those letters were scam. Yeah, you think your email inbox is full of spam? Okay, no, this is the worst I've seen it. I've never seen so many scam letters, actual physical letters and envelopes that are scams. And I quickly discovered this because every other letter was about, oh, it's time to buy life insurance on your home mortgage in case one of you dies. Which, okay, I understand that's not a scam. It's like a real thing, okay? Like, people actually do get home mortgage insurance so they can not default on their payments. I understand that's not a thing. But just the way these letters were worded and how many of them I got, I got so many insurance letters, which I understand some of them are legit insurance companies and some of them might not be. But... The scams that I'm talking about, the spam letters that I'm talking about that are truly spam are like the ones that say to pay your mortgage to them, okay? There's been 90% of those letters were, oh, send us your payment for your mortgage. It's like some no-name company. And then in the bottom, in fine print, it'll say we're not affiliated to any mortgage company or bank. Yeah, I think that's how they get away with it, that they're scamming people, but they're putting a little disclosure at the bottom. Well, well, we told you we're not affiliated with your actual mortgagee. We warned you that we're not really affiliated with any banks or lending company. We're just here to collect your money just because we said so. Okay, so many were like that, that I was like, okay, there's no way that we are getting this many letters about submitting our mortgage payment to these random ass companies that have just these sketchy letters sent to us immediately after we move into a new home. What a coincidence. There's no way. And this is truly something no one told me about. No one ever warned me, hey, you're going to be getting a lot of spam letters. Do not re respond to them. Do not go to their website. Do not call in. They're going to say that your, your notice, your payment is late. No one told me about this. And this is something I've learned. And I'm telling you guys now, so you can watch out for that, which I'm sure most of you are smart enough not to fall for those. But I had no idea that people were doing this and trying to make the letters look really legit. There are envelopes that will say final notice on the top, so then you think it's really important. And then it'll say, your payment is late for this month. This is your final notice before your house goes on foreclosure or, or default, or you're going to have a late fee. So make sure you send your payment in. But then we would get multiple of those, like final notice, final notice, final. And I'm like, Okay, how many final notices can there be? And so we quickly realized that these were all fake letters. Now it's been a few weeks later, and what do you know? We stopped receiving them. So it was only in that first week or two that you move into your brand new home that they have your records online because it's, 
your state public records when you purchase a home and they have your name, your address. So this is the prime time for scammers to be mailing you letters that look official and look urgent, but are really just spam and you should not pay attention to them. And that's why I tell you, I did not exaggerate. There was 90% of those letters I had to open and just toss in the recycling. So that's something to be prepared for. It was quite an annoyance, but I have to say it's gone down the frequency of those letters. So we haven't seen any. So hopefully not more come on our second month payment notice. Now this brings me to the third thing that no one tells you about buying a home. And that is be prepared for all the quirks of your new home. There are going to be so many quirky things that you were not privy of before. Your agent only knows so much and the owner might not need to disclose all things. They have to by law disclose certain things, but not everything. So there's only so much you know before you buy the house. And of course, a lot of things will come to light during the inspection. So I highly suggest do not skip the inspection. Sometimes people will do that to make their offer look more competitive. But I personally would not feel good about it. Even if it's a new home, go ahead and just do the inspection. And a lot of things will come to light. Like, for example, we would not have known that our water heater was missing a sediment trap if it wasn't for hiring the inspection guy to come and now it's been replaced. So a new part had to be bought and installed. Some of the window hardware needed to be replaced also or adjusted or realigned. So these are just things that you typically wouldn't notice on your own. He also saw some cracks in the bricks outside of the house on the exterior, plumbing issues, electrical issues, hazards. Those are like the inspection related repairs of the house that will be listed but some of the really quirky things we noticed about our home is just i feel like the people that try to update this place and you can tell they, they tried to update it i think they did new paint and the kitchen cabinets they painted even though the, the cabinets look old but they did put a fresh paint on it i feel like they did a lot of diy stuff and not that it's bad but it's very carelessly done so a lot of around the house has just paint drippings it's like they just walked around with a paintbrush and didn't care if it dripped on the floor and they definitely didn't use masking tape to align the straight paints on the wall because there are places where the paint kind of blends into the what are they called the little frames of the wall i guess where you're supposed to put masking tape so it doesn't bleed down but and then there's paint drippings even on the patio concrete from when they painted the patio walls those are like some of the things we noticed that took forever to scrape away the paints some of it will just leave because it's too much of a hassle but yeah we notice little things about the house that just like doesn't make sense or locks being installed reverse where when you you know when you close the door there's a little thing in there that's supposed to be pushed in automatically even if you don't twist the handle but we had a couple doors where it was installed backwards so then you did always have to turn the handle which i mean works for the time but 
the lock is installed in reverse. Like, who does that? <laughs> so there's just little things about it. And the biggest thing that really scratched our heads were the absence of towel bars in the house. That's right. Towel bars in the bathrooms. Not a single towel bar or towel hanger to be found. So the first day we took a shower, we had to put our towels on the door of the, the screen door of the shower itself. I was just thinking, how is this possible? How, how have these people lived here for years and they're not the first owners? And this house is about 20 years old and there's not a single towel bar. I don't understand it. Could they have pulled it out? So they could paint easier, but why would they do that? Why, why won't they just paint around the towel bars? I had no idea. No, no towel rings, no bars, no hooks, no hangers whatsoever in neither of the bathroom. So that's something we didn't expect. And we had to purchase the hardware to install, which don't get me started about that. Do not let me use a drill, okay? Needless to say, I needed help. <laughs> on hanging the towel bars, but I had hope at the end, okay? We had to install like four of them and then the last one I did all by myself and it worked out and I didn't make any wrong holes in the drywall and whatnot. And studs are really a tough one to deal with. Yep, I actually told my repair guy, oh, this, this hole I couldn't get because there's a stud in it. And he actually stopped and he was surprised. He's like, oh, like he paused. I was like, what, what did I say? And he's like, Oh, it's just that I'm surprised that you know what a stud is. And I'm like, of course I know what a stud is. <laughs> but yes, when you hang in towel bars, it's easier on drywall. It's not so easy on, on when you're hitting a stud. But uh, anyway, well, we got that done. So we do have towel bars now. But that's just like, you know what I mean? Like, how does the house not have towel bars? How are the locks installed backwards? How's there paint dripping everywhere? How are things not working? Like dishwasher don't work, garage door didn't work. And you're telling me that you guys have no keys. <laughs> and then something that my husband found out when he called to switch over an internet provider is that we don't have fiber, is it called fiber optics? Yeah, fiber optic. We don't have that in this neighborhood yet, which this neighborhood, I mean, it's fairly new, but it's like, not that new. I mean, I guess it's at least 20 years old. So I don't understand why they don't have this yet, but we've never had a problem with it in all the other apartments we've lived at. We've always had super fast internet, way more gigs than we could ever use for the two of us. So we never worried about it. If anything, we would have rather downgraded our internet service, but they always had the lowest option is already like unlimited internet or whatever, or maybe not unlimited, but a really high amount. And you couldn't really go any lower than that. But coming here, it's like the best internet option they have is still slow. So we don't have fiber optic and apparently they are working on it and we should have fiber at some point in the future, but I don't know how soon because the guy that came to install the modem said that they're working on it. I don't know how long that's going to take. So that's something we also didn't expect, that our internet would be affected. It's not, I mean, honestly, it's not a rural community at all, okay? <laughs> it's in the city. It is a fairly new neighborhood, but not as new as some of the, the land that they've been developing recently. So it's a pretty developed neighborhood. And yep, that's something I didn't expect. So 
this is the first time that I'll be producing my podcast from here also. So let's see how that goes and if I run into any Wi-Fi issues. But so far, it's it's been kind of slow for me to work on things, to be honest. it has. I have noticed it. So we'll see what can be done about that. But I might just have to take longer to edit podcasts. <laughs> All right. Thanks for staying till the end. I promise you I'll be sharing with you a bonus, something that people might not tell you about moving into a new home. And that bonus is... You may think you're buying a home, but actually you're adopting a band of feral cats. Yay! (laughs) Rejoice, cat lovers all around. (laughs) The first clue I had that this house was going to be visited frequently by cats is that when my mom was on FaceTime with me showing me the house, because she was the one that saw it for us when my husband and I were out of town. When they stepped outside, all the cats came over to say hi. And I saw them in the video. It was so cute. There was at least three of them. They were all so fluffy. And I got so excited. And now that we've moved in, for some reason, I didn't see as many as I did in the beginning. Now I only see there are like two that are always frequently here every day without a doubt. But the ones in the video, I at least saw three that day in the video. And I've seen some other cats as I drive down the street. But I think they maybe each have their personal favorite houses to visit. So the two cats that are always here, they like my house and they like the neighbor across the street. Because I've seen them feed the cats. So I think they go there for food and then they come here and just kind of wander in my backyard and they love rolling in the dirt oh it's so cute have you ever seen a fluffy cat rolling around in the dirt getting a dust bath this is cutest thing and we started putting out water for him i didn't know what to do at the beginning because i was always like oh like i always heard that you don't want to attract stray cats to your yard because they'll poop everywhere and then you have to clean it up and they their pee stings and diseases and whatnot So I've always thought that you shouldn't try to provide for them. And of course, just the feral cat population in general could help from not overpopulating them and encouraging them to breed. So I've always been a fan of like spay and neuter program initiatives where it's like the catch and release programs. Uh, They used to have some in Houston where volunteers would capture cats, take them to the shelter, get neutered and spayed i'm not sure if they have to pay for them or if they had programs that the city funded where they can pay for their surgeries and then they will do a little clip of one of their ears just to kind of tag them to say hey this one has a cropped ear so that means it's been neutered so no need to catch this one again houston really really needed that initiative let me tell you during my dietetic internship I've done some community surveys around some of the neighborhoods. And there was one time where this man opens his door and 20 cats run out. It was crazy. And then in this neighborhood, they also had some houses that were a little bit elevated where they have kind of like a crawl space underneath. I guess because of the flooding in Houston. And I would look and there would be kittens and families of cats just chilling out under the house and walking around the front yard. Okay, God bless. God bless. 
they need all hands on deck for that catch and release program. If you in your current city have some time to to <laughs> devote to that effort or just your own neighborhood cats, please do so. I have not observed any breeding or kittens litters around my neighborhood yet i think these two cats that come to me i'm not an expert on cats but in my expert not expert opinion i think they both look like boys so i probably don't have to worry about finding surprise litters in my yard all of a sudden one day but it would still be good to maybe neuter them so that they don't add to the neighborhood population but yeah, I haven't seen a lot of the other ones that we've been seeing when we come visit the house, like for the inspection and come to check on things or measure things. One time we came and as soon as we walked out of the car, this big ginger cat comes and just starts petting George. And by petting, I mean when they walk around your legs in circles and rub up against you. So at that moment, we realized he already adopted George, okay? We've been adopted by the straight cats here. And the, the two that come to our house are extremely friendly, extremely friendly. So I wonder, okay, this was George's idea. Okay, let's see if you're thinking the same thing. He wonders if the owner of this house that we live at now had these cats and just left them. We know he went out of the country. So did he just leave the cats here to fend for themselves? Because why are the cats always hanging out by our house? And they're so friendly with us. When we park in the driveway, we come out, they always come say hi to us. They get real up and clo close and personal. They are not scared. And I've always seen stray cats being scared of people and you really can't get close to them. Rarely do they ever come up to you. These act like dogs. They're actually happy to see us. They come over when we call them. They follow us everywhere. If I walk to the backyard, they follow me. If I walk to the front yard, they follow me. They try to come in the house. Sometimes we leave the garage door open and then we'll hear, we hear them meowing in the garage. It's so cute. And they just come in like nobody's business. Like they, they own the house. And the biggest clue that gave it away is the cat door that is installed in our garage door. Who has cat door unless they're allowing these cats to be coming in and out of their home? Maybe they were kind and they let the strays in, but maybe they were theirs to begin with and they just left them here. I don't know. I really don't know. I have not gone around and knocked on the neighbor's doors to ask them, hey, is this your cat? Uh, <laughs> whose cat is this? Did the people that live here own these cats? I'm just going to assume that they're very friendly neighborhood stray cats, but my husband is convinced that, that the people that used to live here care for them, and it was their cats, and they left, and that's why they're always hanging around here, because they still think that they can come in the house. <laughs> But I have really bad allergies. I have catergies. So it's not smart. It's not wise to let them in the house, unfortunately. Anyway, I always thought it was bad to feed them and encourage the overpopulation of feral cat communities. So I've been reluctant on doing that and perhaps introducing a lot more of the feral cats around here to make this a frequent stop in their day-to-day. 
But the two that come by now, we're very happy with. We really like them. They're so sweet. And I have been putting water out for them as one of my cat-owning friends advised to me. She's like, well, you can't hurt with some water. I mean, you can at least give them water. That's not going to do any harm. So I have been leaving water out for them, and they really appreciate it. It's funny because one of the cats, the ginger cat, he he really likes George, and and George was coming out to refill the, the water bottle for them. Well, not the bottle, the water container for them and he would try to not climb on him but he would be like like you know a dog when you're feeding a dog and they get all excited and they stand on two feet well this cat would do the same thing it's so sweet so I know they're really appreciating that and this cat likes to dip his paws in the water and kind of groom himself and and play with the water and get his tail wet so I know they're really enjoying the fresh water that we've been putting out for them. And it's the desert, so it will get hot in the summer, which will help them from becoming dehydrated. So there you go. That's another thing we didn't expect, that we've been fully adopted by the neighborhood cats. And I'll let you know if any more of them come around. But so far, it's these two that are the most loyal. Actually, if anyone has some advice or suggestions about how to deal with stray cat colonies in your neighborhood, but in a healthy manner that doesn't encourage breeding, and if you've experienced any problems with them pooping too much in your yard or how to alleviate that, or if you've tried the catch and release spay and neuter programs, how that's been working out, or if you just say, ah, forget it, just give in, give them love, give them food, whatever. <laughs> just go all in, take care of them. I want to hear what you guys have to say because I want to be responsible about this and don't want to get too attached, but I also can't help because they're so cute, but also trying to keep my catergies under control. <laughs> It's called Speak Pipe, and you can find it by going to Speak Pipe, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E at, nope, sorry, speakpipe.com slash M-F-M-P. There you go. So speakpipe.com slash M-F-M-P. I'll put a link to the show notes below as well so you know where to find it. Don't be sure to send me any voice message that you'd like. I would love to hear any of the feedback or advice or suggestions or experiences that you guys have with your neighborhood cats. Yeah, I love it, love it. All right, so what did you think? Those are the three things plus bonus of things that people may not tell you about buying a home and you don't find out until you learn on your own. And it has been quite an adventure for myself to learn about all this stuff and going through the ropes and just just, just be baffled sometimes by the things that I find out. But staying calm and trying to find a solution around it and also enjoying the process at the same time and just finding humor to the quirks and issues that you might run into. All right. So yeah, leave me a voicemail. It's been pretty empty up there in my voicemail box. So do that and I'll try to play it for everyone to hear in the next episode. 
All right, everyone, take care of yourselves. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For ways to support the podcast, please tap on the bio link in my Instagram page at mfmppod. Consider becoming a patron at patreon.com mfmp. In addition to helping me keep the show on air, you'll also receive access to exclusive content and other patron-only perks. Till next time!